Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the podcast with Trent and Cody from Born and Raised. We talk about the woodsmanship skills versus the gear and gadget um, influence with, with the hunting community and myself personally. This is a great conversation where we contrast their skills in the woods versus my skills with gear and my knowledge with gear and stuff and how we rely and relate to both. And those guys have a lot more woodsmanship skills and a lot more how-to and, and backcountry skills than I do. While I've really relied on the gear to help me become a better, more efficient hunter in my areas, and in my goal to become the best, most well-rounded hunter that I can be, uh, I'm going to start looking more into the woodsmanship skills. So for me personally, this is a really valuable conversation, and it's really building off of the episode, The Crutch, where Anthony and I talked about, uh, you know, where, where is it serving as a crutch preventing you from being a better hunter? And being able to have that same conversation with the bro guys was invaluable. So I appreciate everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, real quick, if you haven't yet, go to onpointpodcast.com and sign up for my newsletter. It's coming out this summer and uh, would really love to get as much information and as many people as we can on that list. And it's going to be chock full of information, uh, maybe more in-depth articles, uh, discounts for gear, and just just a lot of stuff to stay in tune and to stay update with what I got going on and try and get you some deals on some cool gear and more information. It's just always more information. So as always, guys, appreciate you for listening and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Bye. So are we, are we live? Are we, we hot now? Yep. We're as hot as it gets. Cool. Well, thanks for having me back guys. It's, it's going to be a collaborative episode, right? You guys Absolutely. are going to upload this too? Okay. Absolutely. So I'd welcome you guys on to the On Point podcast, but I'm actually on your guys' podcast too. So Thanks for having me. <laughs> bring it, <laughs> bring it, bring it. So today uh, we were kind of brainstorming earlier, and I, I had something that was on my heart, and and because um, I'm kind of doing, you know, I'm kind of the gear guy, but I'm kind of doing a 180 here where I'm like, okay, it's called a pivot, a pivot, yeah, yep. And now I'm like, okay, woodsmanship skills, because I have all the gear, I have all the gadgets, and I have more than what I need. I, I got to the point where I had a retractable bugle last year okay we need to pump the brakes, <laughs> pump the brakes. <laughs> granted it, i will be using it again this year because i love it. of course you but <laughs> but it's at some point when is all that gear not getting used because you're not spending the time doing what you should be doing scouting finding elk patterning patterning you know your white tail or your mule deer or whatever your black tail getting out in the woods and and putting in the work so um, I'm on one end of the spectrum <laughs> and, and you guys are from everything. I don't know about from everything you just said, we don't do any yeah. of it. So it's like, <laughs> oh man. I, well, yeah, it's true. You guys don't really scout. You just let the, basically the bugles do the scouting for you. Yeah, we do. I mean, we get in country that we know there, there's primarily going to be elk. good habitat. Yeah. 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 And, but we've never, ever, I mean, I'll just let this be said. We've never scouted an elk that we've killed ever, really? never, ever, ever. I was actually trying to make that a, a goal this year, which I know from like killing my first one with a bow last year, and it took a million years to do it. To now, like now, I'm gonna go targetable. Yeah. Targetable. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I better tie my boots before I do that. So, but I'll tell you, there's there's a big difference between what you guys are doing and what I've been doing because you, like, I ask you about your bow setup. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. What do you want to know? It shoots an arrow. It hits where I'm aiming. Point at it. Uh, broadhead. Yeah. It's called pulling it back and letting it go. Exactly. Bud. And then yeah. you talk to Cody's kind of a, a, bit, a bit of a techie and knows how to work on bows and yeah. stuff. But you ask me, I'll tell you 
everything. And this is kind of the reason that I called you uh, a couple days ago as far as it just is podcast wise. You you are that guy, the go to guy for gear. I would I would say, honestly, you do you do bow reviews, you do mm-hmm. versus, you know, this versus that you do a lot of stuff. And then when we brought you out for this arrow I don't want to call it the arrow challenge or whatever yeah, last I mean, year. Yeah, it was like that durability test. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. like, yeah. you know, Garrett's that guy. He's he's the guy that, I mean, when we did the arrow challenge, I'm like, yep, flew out of the bow, went down there and hit that. And you're <laughs> like, well, it's because it had this many grains and this much forward and that much this and that. and right. You know, and so you're that guy. And, and when I called you and you're like, I have this cool idea for a podcast, you know, about this technology versus woodmanship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if technology was the right word but yeah just you know i thought this would be great to sit down and and kind of go through those paces and, and i don't know well i guess what with your priorities what's your priority when you go out in the woods i mean because it's different my priorities obviously we all want to fill a tag but what are you worried about when it comes to your gear like what do you what keeps you up at night with gear anything nothing <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I will <laughs> snore like a baby. <laughs> so you're just I know. focused and on so, locating? Yeah, and so I, I would say, Having yeah. fun. Yeah. That's I when, mean, you, when you said, like, what's your main objective? We go have fun. The, the gear, the elk, whatever, that will all be there. Mm-hmm. Go have fun. Like, establish that as a ground rule. All the other things are just going to amplify based on that. That being said, don't get me wrong. We practice every day. We, we, I mean, we get our arrows shooting to where we want them to hit. And it's all confidence, right? Everything, right. everything I don't care if it's fishing. I don't care if it's hunting. Everything is confidence in the outdoor sports as far as trying to harvest an animal. No matter what it is, if you have confidence that you're going to go out and do that, I believe you're going to be way more successful than the guy that just goes, I just bought this from REI, and I'm going out there, and I'm going to try. You know what I mean? I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's like guys that wear uh, face paint. I wore face paint for the first time last year, and you guys have been face painting for a while. When did that even start? Uh, and uh, some of it's even just nostalgic, just back, to do it. Back <laughs> in the 90s. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah a well, long time ago. It's, uh, there's kind of a debate out there, like, why do you camo all up? And then, for me, I don't paint my face. Why do you do all this and wear all this nice camo but not paint your face? It's like I've never, I've never been in a scenario where I lost an opportunity to an animal. I'm like, man, if I had face paint on. Yeah. And, you know, like, I just, I've never done that. And I think... Maybe some animals, maybe like a turkey, you know, ones that can see really well. Uh, but for for the animals that I really focus on, because I don't really focus on turkeys at all. Sure, sure. Um, for those that do, mad respect. Mad respect. But uh, <laughs> don't stop the flop. Don't, don't, can't yeah. stop the flop. <laughs> uh, can't stop the flop. It's a hashtag. Is Look it? it up. <laughs> oh, gracious sakes. Or obviously, we're turkey hunters. Yeah, of course you are. Uh, but I think it's more of a confidence thing. Like you said, like if that gives you more confidence to go make a better stock, then more power to you. What I'll put it into is, what's the movie with Russell Crowe? Most famous movie, Gladiator. Gladiator, I should say Gladiator. <laughs> he stabs his sword in the ground, and he grabs dirt off the ground, mm-hmm. and he rubs it in his hands every single battle, right? Yeah. Even if it's just as much as that, that just makes you that much more confident. This it, is what yeah, you do. It's, it's not the it, actual it's, end purpose of what that is, correct. but it's that right. sequence in the leading up to. Well, yeah. you had one of you guys paint up like a Ninja Turtle this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. That made Kim laugh so hard when we watched that. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. We've had so many. I mean, that was the whole thing. Is like, <laughs> who could make the craziest face paint? The like cat that? whisker one. Yeah. Who did that? Was that you? 
I nah, yeah. that was <laughs> that was yeah. when Dirk painted your yeah. face. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, being yeah. Dirk. Yeah, no, it, it just it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it, whether it gives you luck or doesn't give you luck or mm-hmm. helps you in this or that, it's all about a mind frame, right? And getting your mind right before that actual moment when you release that arrow and whatever it is to you, whatever does it for you, whether it be meditation, whether it be praying, whether it be all these different things, it gets you in that mind frame of, yeah. okay, it's time to go to work. And, um, and, and there's no doubting it. It's like, it's that one thing that is like, okay, now I am, I'm focused to do the job or what it may, whatever it may be. Well, it's like that quote out there. It's all mental. And I think yeah, exactly. that's, you know, for really anything you're going to do, that's probably a huge factor. I know for me, if I don't go into a, a stock confident, yeah, I'm going to jumble it up somewhere. I'm going to overthink it. And having said that though, being overconfident, I'm like, I'm going to go kill that thing. Like this year. I had a mule deer, uh, you know, 150, four point. We hunted hard and that was the best buck we could find. So I was making a stock on it and I had my gun and I'm like, oh, you're so dead. Like I had you at six, 600 yards, but there's like a 25 mile an hour wind. I'm like, right, I'm just gonna get to 200 yeah. to seal the deal. So basically all but walk up to it. I'm, I don't really strategically plan my thing. I just go on the other side of the hill and then I'm, I don't even care about the wind. I have a gun. I'm just going to shoot it, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, I go over, peek over, and then I, I look back, and my dad's like, yeah, like, what you, gone. you idiot. <laughs> you know, like, I had no respect for the stock because I've been using a bow. I'm like, I can easily get within 200 yards with a bow. I just need to do that with a gun, and I'll shoot it. And, right. And so being overconfident for me, like, I don't know. There's been a lot of situations in the wood where I've, I've never maybe been in that particular situation. Say if we have a bull on the other side of a ridge, he's not coming in, he's staying that 150 out. And I'm like, I know what we need to do. How, how the heck do I know that? I've never been in that situation. So sometimes <laughs> I'm a little overconfident, but um, I've never I've never been unable to make a call out there, but it's never been because of gear. It's always been because, I don't know, instinct and woodsmanship skills, I guess. I, I'm not really sure where that comes from. Maybe just being a douchebag out of the woods and making bad calls, I, I don't know. I think it's all like everything leads up to previous experiences, like your judgment on where you're at, what you should do next based on what you did last time or what you've learned through the period of time. And so it literally comes down to time in the woods, I think, over time. And I think a lot of people, we kind of talked about this in the Mm walk-in, so many people are worried about the gear versus just going and doing it and learning the experience and then going, oh, based on my own experience, I want to buy this gear or this didn't work for me, but they've heard certain people like, oh, this is the only way you can do it. So then they're like, ah, oh, I don't have that gear, so maybe I shouldn't go do this yet. Mm. And they put themselves in this box. And I, like literally life is about that boundary of self-confident, what you can, can't do. And I think some people put false walls based on the gear that they have or don't have mm. in that like that's their boundary because they can't can't go on a backpack trip because I don't have the newest exo pack right. or this or that like go you know and Trent we've our buddy Cody Rich kind of coined the phrase by tags not gear yeah it's prime example of like 100% go for that experience learn you'll be a better hunter if you go and do that versus not have it and spend the money on the gear that's really well put. Basically, you're buying stuff out of necessity after you, after the fact, basically. Like, if I have a Hello Kitty bag and that's all I have, I'm going hunting, right? Correct, yes. I'm, I'm going. I don't yeah. care. Yes. Yeah. Um, or a Jensen 
school bag. You know, you're still I experiencing really don't care. Jansport. <laughs> Jansport. Jansport. Yeah. That's, yeah. How'd you know that? Because <laughs> I had one. Had one had that. Black. Oh, leather bag, bottom. Bag mom and dad. Yeah. Bag mom and dad. Yeah, uh, and I'm cooler today because of it. I really do believe that. Well, there's 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 the go with what you got, and that's what I've said. You know, and, sure. and I've you know probably hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done this, but I went and hunting when I had a Toyota Celica. Um, I'll kick my own butt later. No, this was Trevor, Relic Celic. <laughs> we packed a lot of deer out in that Celic. Yeah, I strapped one to, because it had a spoiler. And oh, you shoved yeah. the legs under the spoiler. You've and then got you a roped it. purchase point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, drove it right through town. You know, this is back before I, you know, I was more cautious about what I was portraying as a hunter. But, sure, um, sure. you know. Go with what you got, man. I mean, that's I did that. I would bottom that sucker out going up roads that shouldn't have been going out, you know, like, and I didn't have any of the good gear. Don't let materialistic things hold you back. <laughs> right. 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 Don't create a wall because you don't have an XO. Correct. Or Krispies. Like, I wear Krispies. I wear an XO, but I can guarantee you that I'd still get it done. The first um, probably six bow kills I got were in Pumas. Oh man! Because they were great, no. they were great for stocking, and yeah. I could football run. Football cleats were my go-to. For in high football school. cleats, oh, yeah. cork boots. I've killed <laughs> a number of elk in cork boots. You know, I mean, it's true. It's just coming from like a cutting background for me. I've known guys that have killed more elk in hickory shirts and mm-hmm. prison blue pants than any bow hunter that I've ever ever come in. You know, it just it just you know it's just what you're confident in and how you go out and do it. Right. Well, I guess where, where would you guys draw the line? Because I'm sure you guys get asked these questions all the time. I'm, you know, I'm a hunter from East. I get these questions. What do I need to come out West? So what would be Mm. the bare bottom necessities on the gear end before you would want to come out here? We do get this asked all the time. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is like the core safety item. For safety, yes. Exactly. And um, weather plays a big part in, you know, cotton kills. Mm-hmm. So I the investment in base layer merino type uh, co- or, uh, materials and clothes, comfortable boots. Like nothing kills a hunt more than someone that has wreck feet. Like literally they'll quit on day one or two. That's my number one. Yeah. Is boots. Boots. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then past that, it's like. Sleeping bag. I would say. Well, yeah. But yeah. I guess staying even, warm. Staying warm. The, the act of killing, you know, broadhead set up. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, some people will spend more money on bow sights and arrows, and then they're like, oh, I only got this left for broadhead. <laughs> it's like broadhead and arrow combination, I think, are some of the most critical points of your, you know, in that realm. Yeah, that being said, though, I don't want a ton of, you know, well, what broadheads do you use as the first broadhead? <laughs> there is no perfect broadhead. Yeah, right, right, right. It's right. the one that's accurate for you. So, I mean, it's just, we get those questions all the time as far as, well, what broadhead does right. Steve use? Well, he uses a different one every other year. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's whatever flies still best. searching for the perfect, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just like, it's whatever flies best out of your bow at your poundage at your, well, you're better at this Garrett than, yeah. than me at your weight forward ounce or no, what is it? <laughs> grains and this and stuff well, there. Well, I, when people ask me that question, I'm like, what are you hunting and what's your setup? And exactly. Tell me exactly what your bow setup is and what your arrow setup is. And I'll tell you what broadhead to use. Like, cut on contact, um, like a three to one style cut on contact for lower poundage. You need a heavier arrow. A lot of guys want to go lighter, you know, cause they want to get that speed. It's like, no, you need to go heavier because you're basically a trad archer with a compound. You're getting those, 
200, 220 feet per second, you're actually faster than a trad archer. But, you know, guys, that's that's where I seem to get a lot of questions is, is oh, that. Yeah. And see what we're talking about on this podcast, to me, that's just like <laughs> non-applicable. Well, I I don't get the questions to your guys' magnitude, but I imagine if I'm getting some of these questions, you guys are getting flooded with them. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And and let's go back to the, the core of what this podcast is about as far as, as uh, you know, technology yeah versus just being in the woods and a lot of that was handed down from our dads i will 100%. say um my dad and and going back good bad or indifferent back then the technology wasn't like it was now so it was the aluminum arrows it was the martin cougar or you know <laughs> what i mean eagle my dad golden eagle go. yeah 80 pound oh yeah <laughs> yeah pulling it back and letting it go you know mm -hmm. and there was you know and that leads into the whole i got an arrow in this bull or this cow or whatever mm -hmm. this doe this buck whatever it may be and now we go to tracking and so that's where i'm with dad and it's like okay now we're hands and knees we're doing our due diligence. We're waiting. And I think that's a, that's a lot of what people nowadays, they just take off after the animal. My dad said, you don't ever, mm -hmm. he had different, he, he cut the deer or elk or whatever you want to, whatever it may be into sections. And he's like, if you hit here, you wait this amount of time. If you right. hit, you know, if you hit shoulder or above or, or wherever lungs and forward, you know, that's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And you know, if your guts, you're three hours. You're don't even don't even, even look more into in it. that six. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. that minimal three hours, and then mm -hmm. then you have daylight involved with that, and then you have rain involved with that. Yeah, and then you know weather plays a big impact on all of this stuff. And and so he, my dad taught me back when I was young, as far as you just don't do it. There's certain things that you just you you're, you jump that animal and he's gone. You know, yeah. you're never gonna find him. And, and especially in the dense, you know, woods like we are here, you know, in Roosevelt country, they can run forever. They're big, they're tough animals. And so anyway, that's where, that's what I was taught young. And, um, yeah, it was just like, okay, these are things you do. These are things you really don't do. Right. So, well, I know with like for liver shots, cause I had one uh, a couple of years ago on a really big bull. Um, and I think I hit him lower than what I thought I did, but anyways, mm -hmm. I thought it was a liver shot. So I went and, and went to where he was standing, and I, I don't think I pushed him, but I went to where he was standing because I, I knew my arrow was sticking in the ground. I could see it with my binoculars right gotcha. behind where he was. And um, I waited a little while before I went up there, but this year, fast forward, um, and granted, I didn't find that bull. I think he's still living today. I went and looked for him again this year. Cause sure, I, sure. Or, yeah, this year when I was over there hunting with a buddy. But um, one thing that I've done, this is where I'm talking about woodsmanship skills. Unless you've done it, you don't know. Sure. Um, and so I've been on a lot of blood trails, you know, been hunting pretty much my whole life, just like you guys have. Learned a lot of the same things, you know, liver shots, six to eight hours is what I've heard. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I was taught, um, you know, depending on how good of a shot you think it was, six to eight hours. So um, for that. But anyway, so the, the blood from this year on Shelby's Bowl, which was a giant, 350, 360 Mount Emily bull, just a big bull. Anyway, she shoots it. We think she smoked it. And uh, long story short, we wait a while before we go get the arrow because we're super cautious, right? This is like a giant bull. And we go up there and I find wet blood. Which doesn't matter the size of the elk. It should, yeah, it shouldn't matter. You know, they should all be played smart regardless. Correct. But um, 
for, for whatever reason, we just, we, we waited, I think, uh, an hour and a half on a, we saw the air going and everything. We're like, slam dunk. Yeah. Took a lot of time, a lot of patience. It was like the longest six hours I've ever had to wait, I'll tell you. But long story short, that blood, when you let it sit there, it darkens. I don't know mm. if you guys have noticed oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm... After waiting, it looked like a, like a dark lung shot, mm-hmm. and it was like, Ugh. and then we just we faked ourselves out into all this stuff. Granted, if we would just would have went and looked at the blood, and I'm a bigger fan of actually going, depending if you can hear the animal fall or crash or run off way farther, I go check the blood right where he was standing or try and find that arrow right off the bat. Gotcha. Because I can get a more accurate color and sense of what that blood actually was. Um, have you guys? So on that, or what's your guys' take on that? Yes and no. I mean, I, I would totally agree with you in certain aspects, mm-hmm. but just like we have the advantage of having it on film, right? Ah. So there's been times like with BMAX Bull in the Swamp on Land of the Free 1.0, mm-hmm. we abandoned ship. We didn't go anywhere. We went clear back, hiked out hours to the pickup, got laptops, because on a computer, on just the camera screen, you can't yeah. see it that well. So we downloaded the footage onto a computer so we had a bigger screen, a monitor to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we dissected every single frame of that video. So we have that advantage uh, by filming all of our yeah, hunts. That is it's a advantage. huge, it's yeah. huge. And, and you so, always think in your head how it went. <laughs> it's t- it, literally most times, it's totally different than yeah. what you. Yeah, yeah. The per- probably the worst person to ask where they shot is the shooter. <laughs> yeah. Well, at times, times but at the like, same time, some people you know can shoot an arrow and be like, it hit right here. And <laughs> like when I called you guys right. this year, like, where did you hit? I'm like, well, if I hit two inches above the heart, three three ribs back off the shoulder, you know. I, like, I was uh, yeah, that was that was interesting when you called me and you're like, Trent, I just shot a bull and da 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 da. I'm just like, I am so excited for you. What tell me what happened? Yeah. And uh, that was fun. That was yeah. that was a cool um, time. But. Yeah, so I guess I guess where I'm going with that is is you need to get out and get these experiences. You need to know as as the blood gets older, it gets that darker look to it. You're gonna it's gonna change the appearance of the blood trails. It's gonna it's it's such a on uh, scenario basis. Like never, no two really scenarios yeah. could be the same unless I, I don't think they can really be the same. No, I mean, no. If I made like if you made the same shot on a rosie as you did a rock, but you can see 200 yards, you're gonna treat that different. I mean, you are. I mean, if you know that he's not standing there, you, yeah, go check your arrow, man. Like, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so. that is, too, is like in the thick, thick stuff, if they sounded like they stopped close, like mm-hmm. we won't, you know, we'll wait that hour. Even if you know you smoked it and thought you heard it go down, Yeah, still wait for sure. Well, that that one I shot this year, and this is a this is a turning point for me because when I, I was making all these phone calls, I'm like, you freaking noob. Like, you such an idiot. When you called me and you're just like, <laughs> Trent, I know I hit him here. I'm like, well, then he's dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a dead elk. I think you're second guessing yourself too much because, yeah. and this goes back to having time, having done it before as far experience, as experience confidence. and confidence. And you're just like, you were second guessing yourself. Right. No, that's, that's well put. Well, I think my history with elk, cause I, I talked on the podcast before is it's been such a, and it is for everybody. It's been such an uphill battle for me personally. I've had so much stuff go wrong, not go our way sure. for eight years. Yeah. And I've given so many shots away and I've given so many opportunities to other guys. When I get my when I got my opportunities, it was like, what's going on here? Like I just felt so deflated. And so I'm like, okay, how am how am, how am I gonna ruin this scenario? You know? <laughs> chalk chalk another one up. Yep, here we go. Learning curve. Yeah. But uh long story short, yeah, I shot the bowl and I knew I, I knew in in the in the bottom of my heart, that's where I hit it. But then he went like 50, 60 yards. It's like 
20 yard visibility at the max. I right. shot that bull, I think at 17. And, uh, I could, I kept hearing things. I'm like, well, maybe he's with other elk and I, he, and if I go and he, they're going to push him and sure, just everything sure. that could go wrong. Sure. I was oh, running yeah. through my mind. And which song, is a good thing. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, which, which goes back to the woodsmanship skills and experience. Exactly. Which I it knew. doesn't go, got him and I'm running after him. <laughs> and then you hear this crashing out in front of you go, Oh no. Right. You know well, what I mean? He was he was thrashing every twenty or thirty seconds for like five to ten minutes. I'm like, what is yeah. going on? And, I and think it's it was in the him, same place. It was him rolling down the hill slowly. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you know he was dead within a minute. Sure, I mean I heard yeah. him crash. So, and then going uh, above and beyond that, where now we're having a discussion of is you know do I go in tonight? Do I go in tomorrow? Neat. Good, so so bad. so this is where the woodsmanship I would say comes in mm-hmm. really really heavily. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, you're looking at the animal for one. Right. The, the height of an elk, right. yes. The height of an elk is super thick. Roosevelt country, you're super um, warm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, sixty plus degree. You know what I mean? It's not. It doesn't drop Usually, down. Yeah, yeah, those temperatures don't drop down to cool that meat, even inside hair. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So right. that is a big concern. That's why you see a lot of our stuff. Um, at night, we're, yep. we're going to go after him. We're not going to let him sit. And it's like, and the biggest thing, I think you can, you can get away if that elk's dead for six or eight hours, mm-hmm. you're like, right. That's in a that, fine line. Yeah. You're going to lose some meat, mm-hmm. like inside the heat of the ham down on the hip yeah. on that pelvis. Any of that meat touching the femur. Yeah. Correct. It, it, area. It, it's going to be hot. You're going to yeah. lose, you're going to lose some meat. But so you look at that window and it's like, okay, I shot it at 6 p.m. Where's and you're not sure on the shot. Where's six or eight hours? It's three in the morning. You know, I mean, where, you know, where does that? So three in the morning, we're going in at 3 a.m. Like right. that because that extra three hours, four hours, by the time you maybe find it now, it's five or six hours past that 3 a.m. mark. And now you're looking more, more, more spoilage. Right. Um, the, uh, the flip side of that, and we've gone through this, is like, could the bull still be alive? If and it, then you bump it. Th- and you bump him at night. And it is, it's, we've had scenarios both ways. Like it, you know, and so depending on where it is, what you have to, you have to evaluate the information that you're given. You know, arrow, shot angle, penetration, blood, what are all these, okay, no, that that's got to be in the vitals. If we got this angle and this much penetration, that bull's dead. Mm-hmm. Versus maybe that's one lung. Maybe that bull's still alive. Um, you know, we had, we had a bull in uh, Wyoming, 2012. Ty shot this bull. I watched it, 55 yards, smoked it. Bull takes off. That bull's dead. <laughs> like Trent, Trevor, come running up. Mm-hmm. We watched the footage. Even it's like. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it looks behind the shoulder. Low behind the shoulder, low, look good. Yeah. Turns out it was like last rib, Ooh. low, shooting mm-hmm. downhill. So it's even like a lower, you know, and it didn't even exit. No. It broke a rib and it, you know, penetrated like that. Mm-hmm. It was like diaphragm. Okay. We lost, we, we found some blood, but we found it was only one side. Like the blood trail, you can see tracks. It's coming right. out the left-hand side only. That was the onside shot. Mm-hmm. We don't have an exit. And it was dark blood, no bubbles in it. You know, all these like over the years, those telltale signs. Okay, it's not lungs. It's below the lungs. It's not heart blood because at this point, what it would be for blood trail would be greater. And um, lost blood. Hmm. So we literally pulled out of there and it's like, okay, if if that, and that was about 200 yards. 
Yeah. 150, 200 yards. Yeah. He kind of crossed this bog, and we got we, – we all made the decision, okay, this bull is still alive at this point, like an hour and a half after he shot it. It's 30 minutes of tracking. Mm-hmm. Waited an hour. Um, let's give it some time. We backed out. We gave it six hours, went back in there that afternoon and gritted it and found that bull. And it had to be eight or eight or ten hours after the it shot. It was a long time. Really? Alive. Really? It, yeah, 100%. Couldn't get up. Could not get up, though. Yeah. But, Man, but had to shoot it again, but alive. Found hmm. it literally by gritting. So it was the train dictated the opportunity to find it because you could see. Mm-hmm. So we spread out, did the as long as you could see the ground in between each other, you know, 50 yards, whatever that yep. is. Found that bull alive, and he literally went to the thickest spot in a thicket, turned around watching his back trail. If we would have kept tracking that bull right there and tried to grit it and find it, we would have jumped that bull and most likely would have lost that bull hmm. completely. So it's like, it's a very tough judgment call in the moment, but you just have to like, and it, it is, it's over experiences. It's having, and for us, a lot of times we're hunting with a group of people. So we have not only just our own personal experience, yeah. but everyone's combined experience. We're not like, we're, we're open-minded about how the situation's unfolding. Hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Kind of talk through this and then make that judgment call. And then to the bodies. And I think that's a huge point, what you just said, as far as the bodies. And you can make, I'm not saying make or break, but you can really change uh, how a hunt goes by just your outlook on it. And having that many people involved on the same hunt and everybody gaining from their background on hunting, whether it be like we're talking woodsmanship, Mm -hmm. whatever, okay, and bringing their knowledge all to the table and saying, okay, let's everybody feel what what do you feel? What do you feel? How do we feel about this? And then going at it and attacking it like that is huge for us. It's not like just one guy like, man, well, he's gone. I don't know. You know, (laughs) no, it's 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 this whole accumulative knowledge of every single person involved with the hunt. And that's what we have in our benefit, I would say, because yep. we hunt in such a big crew. And, right. and, and the other side of that, too, is we're very slow and methodical on a blood trail. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, oh, we're all just going. Racing. There's blood. There there's is, blood. Unless yeah. we watch him die, there is yeah. no running after yeah. him. Yeah. And it's the one guy on blood. Okay, I see the next blood. One guy stands at that last blood. The other two take off shoots. You yeah, know, yeah. if it could be the one guy is on the what he thinks is the primary trail. Right. The yeah. other guys take off shoots. We do the same thing. Until, okay, whistle or whatever. I got blood up here. I got there. blood. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody joins that spot, and then we go from there. Yeah. One thing that, that I've been doing for years, and it's just because um, a lot of times I'm by myself or something, and I'm trying to track something. Sure. Um, but it's it's – I always use ribbon, whether it's good or bad. I don't see a really negative to it. I always use ribbon and I always hang it to where I can see it when I'm looking back at the trail. And then let's say if I'm like having a tough time finding blood from that next point, I can look back at that ribbon, see it snake down through the trees. And then you can kind of get a general sense of where he was headed. Mm -hmm. It gets a really good visual. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's something I've been doing for years and it's, it's led me in the right direction plenty of times. People use all sorts of different, like Onyx, we'll just start a track on blood. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And this is where technology meets wisdom, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. uh, have you guys ever used the hydrogen hydrogen peroxide never mix? Have. I've I've seen that, but I've never actually done that. Ty no. did because he he's colorblind. He's colorblind. Is he? Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's huh. he's 
He's not the worst blood tracker. He he does very well uh. with with the uh, with his abilities natural but abilities wow <laughs> that really wow. <laughs> no i could not wait till he hears for listening i love you brother wow. uh, with his <laughs> abilities no he, um no He's but a handy capable go, go with what you got yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and, and that that is one thing like there is some tools i've seen uh the blood light I don't know how well that. I works. tried. I remember the long time ago. I had it, and I, yeah. I, it didn't. It, it didn't do much for me. No, I, 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 no, I just had it. Speaking it of lights, much. my dad said back in uh, when he was tracking stuff long time ago. He said lanterns show blood super well. So that was what another thing. So you've all seen LED lights and everything, mm-hmm. but if you have a regular soft light, like how it's probably illegal type? now. But yeah, like lantern lights and yeah. everything. Oh yeah, it'll show blood way yep. better. Yeah, and I've never done way that. Way better than the LED bright, yeah. bluish lights. Yeah, it'll show way better. I thought well, that was kind of interesting. So talking about technology, yeah. woodsmanship, uh, the breadcrumb, the knock, Bluetooth yeah. knock. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. Whoa. Mixed. Whoa. Mixed. I'm just. We're getting, let's do this. We're getting controversial yeah. here. Let's do no, this. I mean, <laughs> let's do this. So I, I, you know, is it going to help you in killing an animal? Uh, no, it's, that's kind of like a lighted knock. It's, it's, it's like a kissing cousin to a lighted knock. So what, for guys that don't know what a breadcrumb what is, do you do with cousin? kissing cousins, I don't know. you haven't heard that? We've had a huge family. I'm just kidding. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're from the coast. I'm sorry. That's, that's my bad. That's my um, bad. so a breadcrumb is basically, it has limited tracking abilities to where on your phone, um, it'll basically guide you into where the, the knock is located. Gotcha. Um, so if the knock stays in the air, if you hit something really hard, it'll it'll show you right where that's at, and that's semi new technology. Been around for probably two or probably two or three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great. A lot of guys, a lot of guys are gonna like. Well, what happens if somebody shoots an animal and they're using that thing to go track the animal now? I'm like, I don't, I don't think just shoot it to get an arrow. Yeah, in and, then like... and then track it. And that's been a concern from guys that I've I've seen talking about it. I don't think the tracking capabilities are that great, good enough, advanced, to where you can just be out flinging arrows and just. Oh, I'll find it later with my breadcrumb. I don't think that's how it works. And plus, they're super freaking expensive. But um, right there, it's right there with a the lighted knock. If you're a fan of a lighted knock and you're not a fan of the breadcrumb, kind of a little bit of a hypocrisy going there, in my opinion, because it's it's so it's just having a little bit of a of a GPS onto your knock is really what it is, and it's so limited. It's not like you can fling that sucker 300 yards that way, to my understanding, and then find it like. It's got to be really close in the vicinity. Do you know much more about it? I don't. I, don't. I, I think the, like the Bluetooth, I don't know that it's over a couple hundred feet. You know? I, I doubt it. Yeah, 30, 40, 50 yeah. yards maybe. Yeah, your phone um, would have to be a stud. So if you gridded, it would pick it up if you got within a couple hundred feet. Yeah. Is that, yeah, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's, it's right on the same reasoning of arrow retrieval, helping with guys find or make good decisions after the shot is really what it comes down to me. Am I going to buy one? No, because I... It's kind of funny. Like I was complaining about lighted knocks being not being legal in Oregon, and since they become legal, I haven't shot one. Like I uh, sure, yeah. but actually the the ability to shoot one. Yeah, I think that's what the complaint is, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want mean, to. I want the option, even though I'm not going to. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Know? That's what I'm saying. And uh, I guess to to ask you guys about uh, some new stuff, mechanicals in Oregon. Where are you guys at with that? Uh, for elk, I'll shoot a fixed blade. Just I think. <sighs> That, I think I think that there's for th- elk. Yeah, I don't know for I deer. Don't, I don't turkeys. I all day long will use a mechanical. Yeah, I think they're great. Yeah, 
No, but, I, but it's I, also I guess I'm just throwing like you're shooting a turkey to not get <laughs> a pass know, through. <laughs> like that's the point of shooting a mechanical for turkeys. Like try to slow it down to not get a pass through. Yeah. In an elk, in a deer, I want a pass through. Like doesn't matter what you know that angle is. Like I would want two holes. So. Yeah, I mean it's a two inch cutting <laughs> diameter versus an inch, yeah. inch and a quarter. I don't. I mean, I sure, don't, sure. Just that's like the one. Like, it, and it, I've always been a f- basically a fixed head, non-replaceable blade. Like, just cut on contact. That's yeah. how I've always been. So, and I think it always comes down to ethics, right? I think it's and everybody's different. You know, everybody's. You want the cleanest kill, fastest kill that you can perceived to happen i mean that's just the bottom line right all of us think the same accuracy way. i mean that's inaccuracy well right. and, and that's know, that, that could be a point like where mechanicals will outshine for someone that doesn't put the time in with in tuning broad bingo all the, so you know? that's what i'm saying yeah. it comes down to that would you consider tuning about woodsman sip skills yes yes 100 percent. here so i mean that's where you're using the you, you can buy the most badass toy but if you don't know how it works then what is it exactly paperweight yeah yeah big one though big paperweight yeah yeah well i i'm on the i'm on the fence about using them over here because i um i've talked about a few times if i shot that elk with a mechanical this year i don't think i would have got it because i shot right through a a fur limb to get it and uh it's about the size of a little bit smaller than this cord about was about the limb i chopped off okay um so 16th inch yeah i mean pretty small but through all the testing and stuff that i do and all the shooting and all the everything i'm like I'm, see dead. so that's where so but <laughs> so. at the same time that's where your even though you didn't mean to shoot that limb obviously no but that's where your technology that you've studied and that you've went over time and time and time again mm-hmm. uh helped yeah right? well I mean, having a sharp broadhead because I, ch- I chopped two of those limbs off and i i just i knew if i could put the pin where it would go there because it's ta- it takes a lot more than that to, how, to how far were the limbs from the elk 10 yards but we're, we're talking the edge of the limbs where it's really flexible. And, and if I was shooting like that close to the main stem of the tree, it probably would have. And I would oh, have yeah. take the shot. So it's, it's so like, well, you shouldn't be shooting. Well, it's, it's towards like the last last foot of, of limb probably. And you most of the time when for you're, the bow. Yeah, you don't yeah. see the limbs even know you're looking right, you know. Yeah. You weren't shooting knowing you were going to hit the limbs. I knew I was going to kill it. And that, that's, that's my thing. My Correct. philosophy is if you're taking a shot and you're hoping to hit the animal – you're not taking a shot you should be taking. No. If you're taking a shot knowing, like my mindset, every time I draw that boat back, you are so dead. I think that says it both, that, or best. Yeah. I think that says it way, way best. Yeah. That's that's my philosophy when I take a shot, and uh, it's it served me well. I mean, I haven't, that was, uh, I've only lost one, well, two. I, I had a one animal in Africa jump the string on me, but that I will take responsibility for that one. But the guide should also take a little bit of responsibility for that one too. Cause he told me to shoot, but long story short, it was my shot. It's still you. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a long shot. He's like, Oh, it'll just stand. It'll just stand there and let you hit it. I'm like, really? I'm like, all right. So 72 yards, here we go. And then that thing, when that arrow is like at 20 yards, it starts running and I hit it right where that, it was a black wildebeest and it's still alive. Probably thinking about how big of a jerk I am today, but um, I hit it right where the tail comes out of the butt just right there and it just stuck right in there it's like won't move, won't move on me huh doesn't look good yeah i'm like and there goes 1500 running away i'm never gonna 
as the most expensive arrow I ever shot, you know. And <laughs> That's why I will never go to Africa. Yeah. So, you know, over there, if you draw blood, you're paying for it. Oh, yeah. even if it's a tail wound. Yeah, you know, even if it's a tail wound. I'm like, you know he's going to go wallow and, and seal that thing. He's like, I could get infected. I'm like, oh, come on, man. I'm out. Come on. I'm out. Yeah. Get out of here. But, you know, that's, that's, you know, a shot that I guess I shouldn't have taken if I hunted that animal my whole life. Maybe I would have had a better idea of the way it would have reacted. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I just, that's kind of the, the woodsmanship skills thing, right? Yeah. So, um, what, I, el- what else do you like put in the bucket of woodsmanship? Uh, thermals, uh, wind, when to be aggressive, mm, when not yeah. to be aggressive, yeah. animal behavior. When is it, when is it kind of, when does it kind of act like it's no, like is it blowing at you? Is it stomping its foot? Is it, is it its ears kind of going back? Is it knowing that it that you're there? Does he bark? Because um, I don't know if you if you and this is just personal theory. I'm not a veterinarian, but if you hear somebody talking behind you and it's really quiet, don't your ears kind of perk backwards? You can kind of feel them like perk backwards. Mind you, I got big ears, I guess, but um, I think a deer is kind of do that same thing involuntarily. If you make a sound in a certain direction, it's really quiet. You'll see one ear or maybe both ears going Turn. a certain direction. So you pay attention to those little details. You can tell if that deer is picking up on you being there. Um, you know, outside of the obvious, you know, blowing at you and stuff like that. Um, there's also ones that are twitched on where they're, I feel like we're playing a game of peekaboo where it's down feeding and then you're like, you're getting ready to move and then, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And then I'm back yeah. to feeding, you know, like trying that, to fake you out. Yeah. Trying to fake you yeah. out. I'm like, oh, not, not this time, man. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's all these little, little subtle clues and, and tiny nuances that go exactly. into it. You know, to me, that's, that's woodsman sip skills. One of the most important to me, though, is blood tracking. I think that's huge. Yeah. You know, I think that's and there's where a lot no, of guys go wrong. There's, there is no, you do this and you will get this. You know, there is exactly. none. There is none. It's just doing the best with the knowledge that you have. I think the best one that you talked about just a second ago was um, as far as as far as the um, thermals. You know, yeah. you, you hear us a lot of times, oh, we're going to slow play this one. And people are like, <laughs> why, why are you slow playing? You know, you uh-huh. saw where they went in the woods. You know, and so where we're from, Pacific Northwest, we're doing a lot of clear-cut hunting, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see the elk out at daylight, and we will just sit on them. We won't go down in the clear-cut. We won't go down after them. We'll just sit on them and watch where they go into the timber. And a lot of times we'll slow play. So we'll just sit back because all those thermals are going down. So we're like, okay, we're going to be chasing them from the top down right off the bat. So let's just wait this out. Let's wait till they get bedded. Let's wait till that 11 till 2 o'clock hour and go after them. And um, that's kind of one of the things that we do a lot. And we talk about it a lot, too, as far as that goes. But, um, but yeah, it's knowing. Know when to hold them and know when to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just trying to, it's kind of like, okay. Okay, my it's it's all a percentage, right? Mm-hmm. My percentage of chasing them into the woods at daylight, even if he's a bugling bull and trying to get him to run back and see me and shoot him, are slimmer than letting them go do their thing, bed down, yeah. follow their tracks in, get the wind right, and then go after him. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like a percentage deal for us, where we've had higher percent of the time we've killed bulls from eleven till two. And that's what we're probably going to do almost every single time. Really? Yeah. It's funny because we hunt a little bit different, but all the bulls we've killed except two uh, have all been in the morning. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I think, honestly, I think it's because we're more enthusiastic and confident in the morning. And then sure. by the evening, we're like, crap, you know, you know, it's just just a different Whereas us, mindset. we killed <laughs> a boatload of our bulls right before <laughs> noon, dark. Noon, exactly. noon, to, noon on. 
by far is like 70 or 80 percent really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well that one yeah. i shot last year is at 7 30 i'm trying to think like yeah. early i don't not a lot there's been a few there's been a few yeah, but not but a not, lot but so not what, very, what would be uh, would be another woodsmanship skill in your guys's opinion that maybe is like, common uh navigation you know like just literally you can go and follow a gps but that's not necessarily the best just knowing the lay of the land, understanding how topography works, how the terrain, what the vegetation's like, mm-hmm. that over years of experience. Since I still remember this like blatantly with my dad, following him around, didn't ever take a GPS. He would know what time it is, and he would know exactly what direction the truck was. Like, yeah. And, and I would say <laughs> at right. nine years old, uh-huh. you know, we'd stop and he's like, "Well, kid, what time do you think it is?" I'm like, ten forty-two. He's like. <laughs> 1238 you pull out and it's like within two minutes and i'm like how did you do that you know it's just like the sense of time that (laughs) you know in nature how things are and then the direction side of it like he he knew exactly where the truck was based on you know where we'd been where we you know granted he'd hunted that all his life so it's like you can stand on that stump and know exactly where but yeah i think that uh i think a lot of people just trust technology over experience like if you took a gps if your phone is right. dead or if your gps is dead where's the truck how do you get back from here eh, that's you know? yeah that's brings back memories hunting with my dad because always when we're out in the woods we kind of play a game where do you think the truck is you know and i think maybe maybe looking back he was trying to make sure if we ever got split up i could find my way back or something but, sure um but i still i still play that game all the time yeah where do you think the truck is from here and then Oh, now you have a phone, you can point right to it, you know, right, but right. it's still fun to play and it's, it's a good skill to have having your bearing and stuff and getting over there in the coast and some of those deep canyons, it can, it can get hard. You know, you start following the wrong Creek, you can get turned up on the wrong main line pretty easily. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I correlate it back to just confidence, I guess mm-hmm. in the woods and just like, Hey, you know, it's starting to pour down rain. Let's build a fire. And a right. lot of people are like, ah. whoa, wait, hold on, hold on a second. Is this a survival mode? What are we going into here? No, let's just build a fire for, you know, to be comfortable yeah. in that setting because you've been in that setting before. You know what I mean? Whereas the guy that's going into the woods without those necessary skills or something, they're like, should I build a fire? Oh, my gosh. Should I should I get out my emergency blanket? Should right. I? What, what's going on? Are we, you know, it's just being comfortable in the woods it's being comfortable in the uncomfortable actually absolutely it's just like okay this is a predicament and how should we handle this in the in the best way to do it i think and that's where i i I gather you know as far as woodsmanship in in that kind of realm as far as ah all right yep let's wait this one out you know what it's gonna be all night guys Mm -hmm. we're in there too far we've put too much meat on our backs we're all exhausted. Let's be smart here. Let's not get anybody hurt. Let's start a fire. Let's get the meat off our backs. Let's get the, you know, and whereas a lot of people would panic in that realm. And it's as far as woodmanship skills to me are like in that realm of it could be a panic scenario. It could be actually a crisis life-saving scenario. Mm-hmm. You take the right steps to do what's, you know, what's the smart thing to do. Mm. That's funny that you bring up fire. Yeah. Because pyro putty, have you heard of that stuff? It's a brand new product I'm going to be testing out here soon. Oh, no, we saw that at uh, at the Hunt Expo in the photo, pho, phone scope booth. Phone scope Is that what it was called? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was, yeah. Yeah, I'll be testing that stuff out here soon. Back to gadgets, you know, for sure. woodsmanship sure. skills. Um, that's a gadget that I think actually could help woodsmanship skills or Dude. help you find, basically, it's like dry tinder in your pocket from, yeah. what, from what I gathered. And it's, it 
if I remember right, it was like it had the consistency what? of like putty. Yeah. But then you would peel it out and it like have fibers. Like carbon almost, like a like yeah, a fiber. It was. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In uh, the video I saw, the guy was dunking it in water and then lighting it back on fire. I'm like, okay. Because I'm like, well, okay, how does it work when it gets wet? And sure, sure. Next thing I know, he has a video of. Have you ever done the Vaseline and cotton ball? Um, we actually kind of used to do, um, you know, the, like the little tube in the middle of a uh, toilet paper, that little cardboard tube. Yeah. We'd fill that full of stuff and then um, we'd done that with Vaseline before. But never actually just in the Vaseline balls. Before. Yeah, like the old film canisters. Yeah, and just, then Vaseline, and then just a cotton ball. Yeah. yeah. So these but, are these are things that a lot of guys would probably think, well, that's just common sense. But from my experience, especially from the safety side, we we're talking about safety earlier, because um, I hear it all the time. Guys get hurt. Well, it wasn't the guy had no common sense. Yeah. Um, well, common sense, and and even with anything in life, is is from my experience has been, you know, common sense can be summed up as a guy's uh, or a. I guess a unique perspective based on somebody's experiences. And if you don't have those experiences, you don't have that rabbit ears common sense. So that's why you're having guys going out and getting in trouble, making stupid decisions. Sure. They don't know any better. Yeah. Like they don't know about the cotton ball Vaseline trick, or they right. don't know about this, you know, Oh, you should have waited three hours. You shot it there, you idiot. You know, like they don't know these kind of things. And right. so common sense that's why i say common sense isn't so common just because someone hasn't had the same experiences as you i guarantee you if i hung around astronauts all day and i was going to go get on a spaceship and i was supposed to follow procedure i'd break all sorts of common sense stupid things right yeah. i mean it's pretty you can you can do that with any industry or any hobby you want there's common sense um and and i go over that because i'm sure a lot of guys over here are like yeah obviously guys yeah, you know no. but there is a lot of guys out there that need this information so question what's uh What's your take on woodsmanship as judging yardage? <laughs> uh, I hate that question. <laughs> God, I am horrible. I am. I joke around. My mental rangefinder is broken. It's been broken for years. Um, that is a woodsmanship skill that uh, should be developed. That I do not develop because it's funny. The only only archer one of the only archer shoots I've ever won was unmarked. Um, but it was. I swear to God, I was getting lucky all day because I. I suck, man. I, I've missed 20, 20 yard targets. <laughs> I, I suck. Yeah. I Tiger Woods that thing hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, he just won the Masters. That's true. Yeah, yeah. he did. He, he is did. kind of the goat. Yeah, but hey. it's a woodsmanship skill that should be that should be developed. But again, with the rangefinder, the first okay, here's why I haven't gone back to not use the rangefinder. The first year I ever not used the rangefinder, ever bow hunted, I missed six bucks. Some of these were Pope and Young blacktails, like big blacktails. Size right? doesn't matter, but yes. Okay, big bucks. I see that. I see that reoccurring in this. Yeah, reoccurring. The bigger, sometimes the bigger it is, the harder, the bitter, more bittersweet it becomes. Okay, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just checking. I was just checking. <laughs> and this may or may not come back to wisdom. But no, I, I appreciate versus you. Versus technology. Yeah, and no, no. My cell phone says I got to kill a big buck. Because <laughs> guess what? Everybody on Instagram is. So that is I true. have to kill one. That is true. I'm, that, just, I'm just throwing that out there. There's no pressure. I'm just throwing that yeah. out there. Well, no, and that is, that is a good perspective to keep in check. I appreciate that. And, and I'm going to bring this full circle, and I don't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> but no, you're fine. If you want to look at Born and Raised Outdoors, for the first longest time, we didn't kill anything big. Nothing. Right. And it was the, it was the still, opportunity. It's yeah, it's so random still because we don't pass anything up. But at the same time, I think a lot of times it is the ability to go out there and you're going to harvest anything. Yeah. 
And I think that really enhances a little bit because if you put yourself on that pedestal of I need to kill a big buck, and I'm not saying you were at all. I'm just saying no, I, I, I'm just saying that was just yeah. incidental. It sounded like, but at the same time, if you go out there, your your nerves are going to be so much more heightened yeah. by having to kill something big. You know what I mean? That's I, a good I think point, I, way to put it. I, I really do. I really do think that, and I think that's what where we have went into with the whole mentality of I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try my hardest to kill this thing, mm-hmm. and doing that has gained us leaps and bounds I think as far as learning how and what to do in the in the moment of truth no matter what size the animal is For sure. and we talked about this at lunch just a little bit ago how Broderick and how um, Aaron Snyder mm-hmm. I mean they are they've killed so much stuff mm-hmm. to where it turns you in from a hunter to a killer and so <laughs> I'm serious yeah. and so whatever steps in front of you it's it's either it's going to die or really be scared. You know right. what I mean? So it, it turns it's that opportunity. Right. Um, and and I think that kind of goes into woodsmanship as far as, OK, it's a mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's all mental. We talked about this a little bit ago. It's one of those things where it's like, OK, I've had this opportunity before. I don't care if it's a three point or a twenty eight point. Right. You know, <laughs> right. I've done this before. I've seen this same scenario before. Twenty eight. points. Yeah, there's a lot of. Is that Eastern count or Western count? That's impressive either way. Western. Western. <laughs> Western yeah. <count>. Roosevelt. <laughs> no, but it's just one of those things where it's, it's like a 14 inch I didn't, spike. I didn't want to yes. stags over here. Yes. <laughs> yes. So anyway, but, go ahead. Um, but no, and, back, and back to the rangefinder. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I missed, no, I missed a bunch of bucks My and bad. some of them, you know, were spikes. Some of them were big bucks. Sure. Um, and, and granted the first buck I ever killed with a bow was a spike and I was so, so I'm not, I'm not a horn hunter, but I will get into that later here in a second too. Cause I want to contrast what you're saying with with where I'm at for the deer. Sure. But uh, I missed buck after buck after buck, and none of them were horizontal. They were all vertical, always too high or too low. All of them are right behind the shoulder. Gotcha. And so I'm like, this is dumb. So I went out and bought it. was a range issue. It was, yeah, it was was me not judging range correctly. And then the ones I would, they would be so downhill. I didn't know. That's before I knew about angle cuts. Cutting yard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, woodsmanship skills, right? And so- Long story short, first animal I uh, I ranged, I shot, and um, it was it was a spike. But I mean, I I say that because I I I discriminate with deer on which ones I kill now because I've had a lot of a lot of success with with the deer. I'm not saying giant bucks, but um, a lot of, a lot of nice blacktail and, and some mule deer and stuff. Cool. And so for me, I'm developing my woodsman my woodsmanship skills by killing those more mature hunted bigger bucks because. It, they're harder to kill. Like you can, you can go. I know this is probably going to sound bad. You can go drive around to the woods here and kill a fork and horn blacktail every year with the bow. In my opinion, just glassing units and then finding one that you can stock pretty close to the road. And we're talking maybe it's a hundred yards off the road. Maybe I mean you can. I think a guy could go do that every year. I don't know how people don't kill something every year. There's enough small bucks around here. Opportunity. Opportunity. You know, um, but having those harder more smarter bucks like the um the buck last year took zero woodsmanship skills uh but the buck before that was a blacktail that i had patterned and 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 went out and i went out to kill him opening day i smoked him but he was you know that to me was way more rewarding than than just going out and, and kind of getting lucky i guess you know looking for that one but you're getting a whole different experience killing these more pressured bucks or more sought after bucks and that's why i um 
even with elk, I don't discriminate. I shoot the first one that comes out. Absolutely. I suck with elk hunting. I, mean, I, I don't suck. My record does not reflect how I feel I am as a bow hunter. Like I said last time, I'm, I, what did I say last time I was here? I was like, I'm the, I'm the most confident, unsuccessful elk hunter. Um, something. <laughs> I think that I said about something right. like that last time, but, um, so yeah, there's, so, so you, so in this, back, yeah, on back the range, to the range finder, sorry, rabbit hole. Have you ranged the animal then shot? All, so, almost every single one of them. Almost, I'd say, minus, minus the bull, minus the bull this year. Since the miss, you mean? Uh, there's probably been two I haven't ranged. The animal. I've ranged. But, so you, when, you, when you went through that year of missing high or low, mm-hmm. you ranged all those animals? No. The first one I ranged, That's what I, mean. I shot. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. In, your, okay. in, do you, in my career as hunting, um, I've only probably not ranged two animals I've shot. Do you practice judging? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll practice judging. I'm like, oh, you know, how far is that? Thirty-four. Oh no, it's like sixty-seven. I'm like, oh great, yeah, I'm horrible. How at this do you thing. how do you go about judging? <laughs> um, I take twenty. I what I know is twenty. Like, um, obviously, you know, that door from us is probably five yards, four yards. Okay, pretty solid about that. So you take the distance that you do know, and you're taking advice from the wrong guy here. But uh, you take it, you know. Something that you do know, as far as you know what 30 is, if you know what 30 is all day long, then that's your base. But mine's like 20. I know what 20 is. And then I'll try and, and find another 20. But my apparently my depth perception sucks or something because I don't know, man. I, I can't judge the state of my life, and I hunt too hard to let my, my woodsmanship skill pride on that area. Well, that's where I think that's that crossover, right? Yeah. That's where you have to have confidence, which is, could be, you know, even that's woodmanship <laughs> skills as far as, hey, I got confidence in this little electric yeah. thing that's going to tell yeah. me. I'm going to exactly shoot 20 yards and that's it. Yeah. Even though Pretty my bow is just Well, saying? I can shoot 30 now because I know the drop. If I'm off 10 yards from 10 to 20, it's not going to, or 20 be to 30. Be too bad. No. Right. But I mean, I carry an extra battery with me. I rely heavily on that thing man you're you're precious i yes yeah (laughs) you take that thing for me i'll be going to the store yeah we're done yeah well (laughs) but you know over at the coast it kind of plays into into my favor because the shots are short um you know like that bull this year i i've been finding that the uh you know tips of guys that hunt the coast the repro doesn't get hunted as hard as the uh clear cuts and the nice timber does and so um, you know, these, these elk are in the reprod, I think more than any other place ever. I mean, there's, if you look at more vocal, more everything. Yeah. This reprod I think is way underrated. And I'm probably, t- I'm talking to the masters here, but you know, the, uh, the reprod, if you want to get away from people and get into elk, start walking through 15 year old reprod. And I guarantee you, you're going to get into something. You're going to either hear, hear them running away from you, or you're going to bugle. They're going to bugle back. I feel like they feel like they're more secure. Uh, they're more, like you said, they're more vocal and maybe not even more vocal, but you can hear them through the vegetation more cause it's not so tall and dense and, in, in some of this stuff. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think there's a great opportunity for that, for that reprod to kill stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would yeah. totally agree. We've, we've kind of counted on, we haven't hunted a clear cut bull and yeah, you and you said that earlier, like hunting clear cuts. I'm like, yeah, last when did we hunt? Uh, I've shot a few. I've shot a few clear cuts. <laughs> There's been a few for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying if you can pinpoint where they're at at mm-hmm. daylight yeah. and know where they're going, let them go. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, been uh, been our you know kind of a tactic. As that was as back that. like to my dad when I was first before he even had a bow tag. Yeah, it was always before rangefinder. How far do you think that stump is? <laughs> 31 yards and we do the walk pace like my dad's yeah, pace, pace it str- off. yeah pace it yep. off you know and then and 
also like recurve hunting like i'm in they, they're probably glad I'm not packing a stick bow much because I'd shoot like 40 <laughs> arrows a day, just constantly shooting. Right, super. But cool. I always carry a judo point, and I always shoot my bow multiple times a day, usually even when I compound hunting. That's fine. I, I would encourage a, the heck out of it. Yeah, yeah. I carry uh, it's a I, confidence builder. I'm I, I'm constantly building confidence out in the woods. I, I I carry a thumper arrow. Yep. Yeah. Same thing. And I'll shoot far. I'll shoot far with it because I know oh, it's yeah. not going to hurt my arrow. You know, and I'll shoot a stump or. You know, try and shoot a grouse Flower, at sixty or whatever. You know, whatever. Just keep testing myself out there when, and you kind of have to do that to keep the time going when you're getting your butt kicked out there. So oh, not only that, so yeah. many guys like practice all summer long, shoot 10, 20, 30, 50 arrows a day, mm-hmm. and then season comes and they haven't shot their bow in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, no, like, that's true. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you're two or three weeks into season, and oh, I shot at camp once when we got yep. here. You don't, a lot of people don't shoot. Yeah. Oh, I shoot every day um, before I leave for a hunt every day, whether it's raining, pouring 32 degrees, whether I I shoot literally every day before I leave camp, at least two arrows. And a lot of that gets kind of all the creeks and the pops out of yourself. And if you're close, last thing I want, you know, my shoulder or anything doing is popping and my bow making some sort of weird creek because I haven't shot it that day or something. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm over hypersensitive to the way that I shoot and to everything that goes into that, that I, I don't take any chances. I mean, hunting's hard enough as it is. If you suck at shooting your bow, it's going to be not a good time for you. So, um, that's, that's most of my woodsmanship skills is probably centered around my persistence and my ability to shoot good. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's probably, you know, the, I I would honestly say that the, the rangefinders handicapped me, but I do plan on picking up a trad bow here in a couple years. So I'll have to overcome that at some point, yeah. at some point, but, um, I'll probably start off on like turkeys or something, you know, something that, well, I, th- I think the thing like technology and a rangefinder is practice. Like you said, use the judgment mm-hmm. go, you know, and, and we, we talk about this a lot it's like, okay, we know what 20 is what's the next five or 10 yards past that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even if it's out at 60, start walking that out there and your margin of error is going to be less at that point. Mm. Well, I guess th- that's a great point. And that's just stuff that, like I, like I was saying earlier, that this whole podcast is designed to help guys through the common sense stuff. I mean, I, I never really thought of that stuff. But I guess I want to get back to you guys is what would be some things that you guys don't need that you carry out in the woods? I know you guys backpack hunt, so probably everything is probably a necessity. But is hmm. there things that you guys could get rid of that is uh, a gadget more than a priority or a gear? Uh, my sponsors aren't going to like it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes binoculars, we don't, we don't use them. I mean, uh, a lot of times uh, it's, it's definitely certain hunts. Mm-hmm. They're the end all be all. I mean, like this bear hunt we're doing this next yeah. week, yeah, binoculars, you, you don't glass. even, yeah, you can't, you can't compete. But um, for what we do, especially on the coastal stuff, especially when you just talked about reprod mm-hmm. just a little bit ago, um, binoculars, sometimes you'll go days and days and days without even pulling them out of their case because you're hunting. You can only see, you know, right. 60 yards max. So, you know, and then when you get a bull going, whatever happens, happens. But at the same time, you're not usually. And, and I think I covered this a little bit ago. We're going to shoot it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Try to. How about that? Yeah. Try to. So, yeah. yeah, sometimes binoculars are just like, oh, man, it's not as important 
and in in elk season. I could see that. I, the one the thing that I, I always carry binoculars on me even when I'm hunting the reprod though, and I don't know why. I think it's just habit. So what I would say, and going back into woodsmanship or whatever, mm-hmm. you do fling that arrow, you shoot that bull. We've talked about the scenarios mm-hmm. uh, this whole podcast. Glassing while on the oh, blood trail. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. On the blood trail, you go two steps. You put your binoculars. I don't care if you're only glassing 12 yards. Mm-hmm. You are glassing anything to see anything, a tine, uh, whatever. They That's come in. Oh, they We've come, seen them way more. Like and especially it's not the guy looking at the blood, but it, so that's usually the shooters how mm-hmm. we do that. It's usually the guy standing behind and he's glassing out 40, 50 yards, and all of a sudden you see a tiny. We're like, oh. don't tell the don't tell the shooter. You know the guy on the <laughs> if blood they trail. know it's dead. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> if they know yeah, it's yeah. dead. He's yeah. just there sitting there yeah. hanging out. <laughs> but no, they come in super. So I'm just saying. I'm not saying don't carry them. I'm just yeah. saying each each thing that you take with you, I think, has its own use and has its own has its I, own place. I'll be honest. I've pretty much cut any quote-unquote garbage or gear cody takes something for a season if not just a trip or two and then if he doesn't use it over the shoulder gone Mm -hmm. yeah i find there's a lot of stuff i carry in my pack that i don't use i'm like man why did i bring this it's like i don't do the the three five day pack hunt and i think maybe that's a little bit of the difference is just shaving shaving out my my pack when i day hunts 35 pounds holy holy moly yeah (laughs) <laughs> so cody can cody can hunt for seven days yeah i know i that. know but what do you have in there oh man kitchen sink kitchen, yeah, television, uh, i tell you there's there's, dish. there's a lot of creature comforts yeah, woodsmanship really comes into this yeah uh spaghettios at least two cans of spaghettios uh <laughs> is that a literal scope huh is that literal are you serious oh i carry spaghettios with me yeah we have a tradition me and my hunting partner always eat spaghettios on a hunt uh i don't know why but it takes me, <laughs> it takes me two cans of spaghettios that. to get full and then a kickstart because I love kickstarts. I don't even know what that it's, is. It's a drink that I shouldn't be drinking. It's like an energy drink. It's like oh, it's a Mountain Dew. It's a Mountain Dew kickstart, yeah. Uh, I bring one of those. I am learning so much I, about dude, you. I, uh, my nutrition is not on point. I'll tell you that right now. I could now. do a day hunt for 35 pounds. <laughs> Spot and scope, tripod, cameras, um, Quarter bags, knives. I carry. I usually, I carry two knives: one flay knife, one. Uh, you doing a fishing trip in the middle of it? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> it's just so nice using a flay knife to get the to get the back straps out. Oh, macaroni! It's. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I just get teepee, uh, headlamps, extra you're batteries. You're a teepee guy, not a wet wipe guy. I no. Well, I uh, started uh, 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 wet wipes last year. Dry, wet, dry. Oh my gosh, wet wipes are a game changer. Oh my gosh, I wish this I was whole a ba- podcast is a game. I wish I was a I wish I was a baby again. Those things are nice. Oh and man, and so uh, I have some in my it. truck. I keep them in there always. But yeah, I'm, I'm preferably a teepee guy. But when I get back to camp, wet wipe guy. Yeah, <laughs> back to camp. <laughs> <laughs> We, we oh, glamp a lot of times. Like, so we, we, uh, we have an area that we kind of go glamping. They rent you a cabin, and we get showers every day. You come back to camp every day. It doesn't sound terrible. It's no. not terrible. A warm shower, electricity. Oh, we, did, we, we did that. We had trailers Heck yeah. in Idaho this <laughs> awesome. year. Yeah? And, oh. Yeah. It was either go hunt the, what would you call that? The rapes or the... Uh, the devil's anus. devil's <laughs> anus is what he called it. Yeah. It's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Uh, Let's go shoot him in the <laughs> or spots. go backpacking that or go kind of glamping glamping yeah we chose glamping 
it paid off. It's nice. Yeah. It keeps the morale high, you know. Oh, when you've been hunting 40 days already or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, it's great. Uh, any snorers there? Oh, yeah. I Are am. you yeah, a snorer? Oh, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. But I usually always I, have it made. Yeah, I chose the other trailer. Yep. Oh, it was easy. I brought my own tent before because I refused to sleep with a snorer. Just I can't, I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't I sleep never, with earplugs I never in. remember. Can't do it. Bringing earplugs. Like, I, n- I never remember to, you know, like. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'll the worst night's sleep in my entire <laughs> life was day, night 51 of Land of the Free huh. 1, the original one, the last day in, oh. last day in Montana. Him and I slept out under the stars just in bivy sacks. Like that'd be cool. I've never team, done that. Like it was, it was beautiful. Never it was in 15 degree, 12. I mean, it was cold, it was cold, cold, cold ice night. all over your bag. Mm. I literally woke up and just listened to this like train next to me. Just <laughs> harmon- harmonious, <Yeah>. harmonious. <laughs> harmonious. And I had the nerve to pull out my phone and hit the voice recorder. <laughs> and then the next day See, when technology, I got seltzer, this, yeah. this gets sent back it to, the to, sent it to Kendra's wife. I'm like, how do you sleep next to this? She goes, I kick him. I <laughs> no, kick him. yeah, I do. I, we do fine. We do oh, fine. man. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it being an issue. Yeah, I was just say the snorers have it made because they'll sleep through anything. What, what is your uh, most highly technical piece of gear that you will not leave the truck without? Technical gear. Well, boots are my. We had to, we did a gear priority episode a while ago. Boots were towards the top. Let's of my do list. let's do in your pack because obviously you need a bow. Obviously, yeah. You know. uh, bow is towards let's the do. bottom of my list. Most guys would think that was towards the top. Gear, the bow is probably one of the last things um, on my list. But technical gear would be Onyx maps. Yeah, um, I would agree. It's yeah. It's like the internet. It's it's going to be oh pre internet or pre post internet. It's going to be pre onyx maps or post onyx maps like kids that grow are born today aren't going to know how the heck you got around probably without onyx maps it's, it's for me it's been such a game changer i'm not sponsored by them or anything you know i i've killed multiple animals directly because i was able to navigate due to onyx maps and this is where it goes back to that woodsmanship thing i mean let's just even say 15 years ago mm-hmm. and i think that's a good you know good barrier to put up mm-hmm these guys that go into the, some of the wilderness stuff that we've been into and navigating some of the terrain that we've been through and whether it be Colorado, Wyoming, wherever, mm-hmm. pretty impressive to think they didn't have squat. No, I yeah. mean, that's, I mean, growing up, I we, mean, my dad always had a seven and a half minute USGS quad regular map. map. Yeah, yeah. Quad map. Yeah. Well, Topo. think about getting around Portland before Google maps. On your oh phone. gosh. Like, I couldn't I always think, think about of, going yeah. there. Like, no. yeah. yeah. Think oh. of MapQuest and like yeah. printing out directions. Like when, you know, we'd go on a road trip as a family to crazy. My, my aunt and uncle used to live up in Tacoma and it's like, well, I missed the turn. Now what? No yeah. idea. Like we got to take exit 492. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah. I remember going uh, to Seattle when I was a kid, visiting family. And you'd always have to account for like two hours worth of getting lost. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, good luck. There's, I don't. You know, it's it's it, Onyx Maps is going to be like pre Google Maps. is yeah. What it's going to yeah. be like. I mean, it is for me when I can go to Idaho or go to a premium deer unit um, or premium tag. Like when my stepdad had the Mopin premium tag. And I'll say that all day long. It's one of the worst tags I've ever seen for being a premium tag. Um, feel free to get it. Yeah, go ahead, guys. Um, yeah, uh, we knew. I knew exactly through the in the dark where the boundary was at, and then we ended up killing a deer 100 because we knew exactly where the boundaries were all around this deer. Gotcha. 
it, Idaho. I knew exactly. I had hunts plotted. I knew how far they were. Where you were at. I knew everything I needed to know yeah. as far as making a deer. We were successful on that trip. It's played. It's been pivotal. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but. No, I would, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. And then um, outside of that. Uh, a pack has been a game changer for me because I can pack a lot more. As you guys know, my pack's heavy. So I was going to say that um, SpaghettiOs kind of starts I was, to get <laughs> weighing on you after a while. The uh, the XO, I feel like I can pack double what I used to. Yeah, I, in, just, a without a in a comfortable manner. Yeah, yeah. Like I packed a mule deer out one time, and I had a Cabela's pack, and it was a 200, 210 pound buck, really good sized buck, and uh, for Oregon, anyways. And um, anyways, I could fit everything except like part of a ham and so i had to make two trips sucked but uh that thing was literally probably a hundred i don't know how heavy it was i felt like it was a hundred pounds and i had to dump part of the, the the pack out go back and get the rest on that exo all day all day don't you i mean i just had to stop six times in a one mile when i had that cabela's pack that bow hunting uh, the bow rifle pack that exo i can go out in one trip and probably not even need to stop it's amazing like when i went into it and and knowing spec and stuff like that and mm -hmm. getting fitted is a big deal yeah it's uh, to where it fits you right rather than anybody can throw a pack on and be like yep yeah, there's a pack on my back but to mm -hmm. get actually fitted for the pack and make it for you personally yeah it's it's a yeah. it's a game changer and having i'm glad fitted. i don't know how to do it but cody does so. well, I'll, I'll tell you like having a fitted pack is probably like target panic most guys 90 percent of guys out there aren't fitted properly i see it all the time on videos pictures most of the guys aren't there uh, i mean i i studied talked to steve about it you know i wanted to make sure i'm getting the proper use out of this pack and when you do it properly you can feel it immediately you can just feel it especially when you have weight on there um, just the way that it sits and stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see how a pack shouldn't be handled, um, last year on the mule deer thing, uh, the way the, the meat slid out was sliding out from the bottom because I don't oh, have a meat yeah. crib for it yet. And so all the weights on the bottom, which is where you don't want the weight. And so, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think probably 90% of guys from what I've seen aren't fitted properly. It's no, it's true. It needs to be better education out there, I guess. But um, so what do you think about wrapping this thing up? I got one more question for you guys. You guys Bring ready it. to wrap this thing up? Bring yeah. it. Okay. So my last question is what is your guys' woodsmanship skills that you feel you could be better at? Uh, Lots of things. I mean, <laughs> would be me. I, I guess my woodsman, um, man, it goes back into the Onyx. Honestly, technology is what I could be better at. For me personally, mm -hmm. I could be better at navigating certain spots and I could be better at uh, topographical lines and going into areas and not wasting energy going down <laughs> and up versus going, okay, this line goes perfectly side hill. Like Nick Schmidt? Yeah, staying on contour, staying on contour. I could get better, or I am yeah. working, I guess, on getting better at that. Uh, that'd be one. Go ahead, Cody. Man, I... Um like I said, lots of things. I think um, toilet paper. Okay. Wet wipes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I honestly, I'm, I'm having a hard time in that scenario because there's like every time I'm out, I'm like trying to learn something new, you know what I mean? And, and so I'm constantly picking up, like if we're hunting with someone new, I'm always watching, figuring things out. Mm-hmm what watching what they're doing asking questions when i hunted with south cox in nevada the whole time i'm just like the way he moved through the mountain his mm -hmm. his just strategy on glassing where next what 
and even the progression from day one to day seven, day eight, how we hunted was fascinating to me because it was totally different in that world of elk hunting and how he literally was like pick the low hanging fruit first. He hunted this first little basin. He never left that first basin the first day. Like the next day, like the last day was the hardest day that we hunted the entire really? trip. Hundred percent. Yep. Like it progressively, we went further. You know everything about it. The, mm-hmm. the last day of the trip was the hardest hunt. So um, I think that my uh, biggest thing in woodsmanship is just learning from others, like across the board. You know, not anything I would say one skill particularly. You said a lot of things without saying anything. <laughs> Observe. Observing. Uh, yeah. Observing. Yeah. Nature in itself, like the the yeah. like everything around in the surroundings. What's sure. going on? Birds. Whatever else. Like. I'm, yeah. I'm all about like the whole picture versus just that single species I'm going after. Hmm. Yeah, that's well put. That was good. Yeah. I'll give you that one. I'll yeah. give you that yeah. one. Uh, for me, it I get I get tunnel vision sometimes, and I I'm starting to recognize when I'm overconfident, and I get tunnel vision, and um, that that for me is my woodsmanship skills is is knowing being aware that you probably didn't see every deer or every elk in that herd, so why you're rushing in there, kind of thing, and then also. Um, scaling back how far i'm shooting animals i want to kind of make it harder on myself now because I, I i got an archery just because it, it was too easy with a rifle because it was you know shoot them three four five hundred yards away i want to make it harder on myself but now i'm kind of scaling that back and i'm just ever so slowly creeping towards eventually getting into trad because i'm eventually i'm going to scale back to where i'm going to try and keep it 30 yards or less or 40 yards or less but sure you know i think from for me that's you know animal behavior is probably mine too Honestly, there's there's so many things I want to get better at because I've been such a gear guy last well, <laughs> long time. I've been a gear guy, and so I've I think I've been using too much gear, and that's been handicapping me as a hunter. You know, not that I'm a doomsdayer, but if shit was to go downhill, doomsday, doomsday. you know, <laughs> if if stuff was to go downhill, and I didn't have the Onyx maps, and I didn't have all this stuff, could I go out there and get sustenance living? And and you know, that's that's kind of where I've been thinking is like, man, wow, if if I can't do that, and but I act like I do. Sure. You know, I'm just a wannabe. So I, I kind of want to just put, in my own mind, I want to I be the whole package there. And I think to close this out, I think willing to fail, to me, shows more, I don't want to say woodsmanship or, or what it might be, but willing to go out and try new things with confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that's... It builds confidence. It builds like confidence it in the end, but at the same time as you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Don't be willing to go out and say, well, that didn't work. I, you know, learn from what exactly you did. Take that all into account. And that's what I think that's honestly woodsmanship. Mm. It's learning from what didn't go right. Right. Or learning from your lack of confidence here or your judge of yardage there. It's learning from everything that you do out in the woods and gathering all those things to make the best decision for your next move, whether it be your blood trail trail, whether it be where I hit the animal, whether it be your next move in the woods should be based off of previous knowledge. And that's just woodsmanship of being uh, and doing it, I think. I think that's hitting the nail on the head, man. I mean, uh, like you brought up South Cox and in closing here. You know, he'll tell you that there's the mule deer make false beds, their first bed, and then there's their second bed where they're actually going to hang out. And I think Aaron Snyder talks about the same thing. That's woodsmanship skills. That's knowing your Absolutely. animal. Absolutely. You know, that's not Absolutely. rushing in there as soon as that thing beds down to beat with, it. With that said, I watched him literally sprint off the top of the mountain and shoot a buck before 8 in the morning. <laughs> Did he really? 
and I was just was like oh. going to stand up at some point. Yeah. 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 That's so crazy. you know, that's, that's just, and he's on the pinnacle. I mean, he's, 100%. he's up there. No, yeah. He's it, yeah. The, like I said, it was, yeah. it was one of the coolest experiences just to yeah. go in his realm. And I was asking questions. He's like, well, duh. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's not common sense to me. Exactly. Everybody knows this. Yeah. Everybody knows There's this. that common sense thing yeah. again. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate you guys for coming on the show, show slash having me. Oh, on the no. show. Yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, it's awesome to see you again. Yeah, you know, it's almost been a year since since you know we started this thing, and, and just to reiterate to the to your audience that you know these guys do follow their their, their inspire and educate and motivate. I think they're entertain, entertain, educate, educate and inspire, and, and they they really do. You guys really do do that. Oh, thank you, you guys. Appreciate I wouldn't have started that. my podcast if it wasn't for you guys and kicking me in the butt when I need it and, and <laughs> checking on me when I need it. I'm gonna keep on doing that. So I appreciate it, man. So. Well, thanks for having me, guys, and I'll uh, yeah, hopefully see you on the next one. Absolutely. Cannot wait. <laughs> see, see you, ya. guys. See ya. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thanks, Trent and Cody, for allowing me to come onto the show or also coming onto my show. Uh, I felt like it was a great conversation. Always learn a ton when I get around you guys. Always get so motivated and inspired. Appreciate both of you so much. And uh, as everybody listening here, um, just another quick reminder, go sign up for that newsletter. It's coming out early summer, and uh, I've got really big plans for it, but I, I want to get as many people on that list as I can. I, 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 my goal is 10,000 people on that list. So uh, if you can help me reach that and you think that it would be a value to you, I'd love to have you on that email list and uh, be happy to provide you with information, discounts, and updates. So uh, on top of that, hope you guys are getting after it with the bears, turkeys, whatever season you guys got going after. Wish you the best of luck, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.